Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Remembers when America was strong, was ambitious, and talked about grown-up things. I wasn't alive, but looks like it was a glorious time. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for the long-range exploration of space. And none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. And we did it! A little over eight years later, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon. And we haven't been back in 50 years. We might maybe sort of go back as long as we get a woman of color up there. That is literally the priority of NASA. We used to talk about big important things. Now what do we talk about? Now what do we focus on? The hideous, and yeah, the obscene. For our LGBTQ plus Americans, let's finally get the Bipartisan Equality Act to my desk. The onslaught of state laws targeting transgender Americans and their families. It's simply wrong. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. The president has the back of transgender teens. That from, we will walk on the moon before the decade is out. And the obscenity I was referring to is Joe Biden's obscenely dishonest approach to all this, wildly mischaracterizing the uh, the law in Florida and beyond. You know, this has gone too far, and not just for conservatives uh, like me, but even for the transgender community. Yeah, some of them are saying, uh, let's put the brakes on this. This obsession is getting out of hand. Fascinating piece in the Los Angeles Times profiling Erica Anderson. She is a transgender psychologist. She's helped hundreds of teens transition but rising numbers have her concerned. It's gone too far. Check this out. She says that she has come to believe that some children identifying as trans are falling under the influence of their peers and social media. Clinicians are failing to subject minors to rigorous mental health evaluations before recommending hormones or surgeries. I think it's gone too far, said Anderson. A fair number of kids are getting into it because it's trendy. I think in our haste to be supportive, we're missing that element. This is fascinating. What happens when the perfect storm of social isolation, exponentially increased consumption of social media, the popularity of alternative identities affects the actual development of kids? 
Sometimes she wonders whether she should quit working with trans youth. I have these private thoughts. This has gone too far. It's going to get worse. I don't want any part of it. Well, good for her. A lot of folks out there, non-experts, non-experts like me, we knew it intuitively. Those parents know it. Those who are standing up, they know this. The mothers know this. The fathers know this. It's gone too far. Back to the experts, though. There's another one, a, a Johns Hopkins physician who's been watching this stuff for decades. Transgender surgery is not the solution, he said. And I think the comparison he made is fascinating. The transgendered suffer a disorder of assumption, like those who suffer from anorexia and bulimia, nervosa. Uh, with anorexia and bulimia, the assumption that departs from physical reality is the belief by the dangerously thin that they are overweight. And what do you do for an overweight person? They become persuaded that seeking a drastic physical change will banish their psychosocial problems. Uh, treatments must begin with removing the young person from the suggestive environment and offer a counter message in family therapy. He's saying that if somebody comes in who's anorexic and says they wanna be thinner, with today's transgender philosophy, they'd say, okay, how thin do you wanna be? You're 80 pounds, how, how heavy do you wanna be? 68 pounds, let's make that happen for you. No more solids, let's put you on an IV. That kind of insanity. You have the patient, young patients, children, diagnosing themselves and doctors coming in and performing radical, irreversible surgery. So we get it, a certain number of physicians get it, the teachers, way too many of them don't, especially the radical woke ones. Kids as young as three and four are actually aware of their gender identity, even if they don't have the language for it. Say that pre-K through third grade are not ready for such topics is actually internalized homophobia and transphobia. This is a tool I use to teach students about gender and sexuality. This has been my first year in preschool with a class of my own, teaching alongside another queer neurodivergent educator, and we have been rocking our two's class. We've been talking about gender and skin color and consent and empathy and our bodies and autonomy. It's been fabulous. Man, y'all thought me uh, teaching the children about me being poly was crazy. But not only that, but they also know that I'm gender fluid. They should be kept away from children. Uh, it has to do the, with the words they're saying, not with whatever is going on with their gender, actually. It's with what they're saying. That's the issue. The one before this one, uh, she says she's talking about consent. She's talking about uh, sex. I mean, preschool, you should be talking about shapes, color, Barney. Is Barney still a thing? Stuff like that. But this kind of hideous rhetoric has gone mainstream. And now we go to the floor of the United States Senate. And here is wannabe woke guy, Chris Murphy, Democrat of Connecticut. My message to the adults with power who have decided to spend their days bullying these kids, stop it. Grow up. So you're not ready to accept transgender people. Fine, I hope you come around someday. But these kids threaten no one. They are hurting no one. And no one is picking on the kids. 
We want to protect the kids, whatever their orientation, whatever their gender. We want to keep the adults, the adults like these people, away from the kids if they're going to talk about the issues they so desperately and passionately want to talk about. Okay, Senator Murphy? I could walk into a room of a thousand people in my state, ask how many of them have had a child lose a sporting event to a transgender girl and not a single hand would raise. All right. Now, that's a big fat lie right there. Chris Murphy in his home state of Connecticut could never get a crowd of a thousand people. All right. I've seen this guy. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. They don't come out to see Senator Chris Murphy. Okay, no. Uh, But back to the sports issue. Saving girls' sports is not the reason why Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene and their whole political movement has made bullying transgender kids their top priority. No, it's their top priority because they know hate and fear of what some people don't understand has a habit of selling in this country. I wish that weren't true, but it's always been true. Is that right, Abe Lincoln? Give me a break. You know, (laughs) this isn't theoretical, all right? This is not some obscure thing. This sports issue is real. It's affecting real athletes, real parents, and we're confronting it, all right? We're not picking on kids. These are adults, by the way. Leah Thomas and the spectacle she made out of herself and uh, how she almost ruined the sport, we are sticking up for her teammates. We have more respect for the teammates than Leah Thomas, they want nothing to do with her, all right? They know that this is a perversion and she belongs in her own transgender league. Go for it, make a transgender league. As those UPenn students passionately wrote in a letter to, uh, I believe the NCAA, they said to be sidelined or beaten by someone competing with the strength, height, and lung capacity advantages that can only come with male puberty has been exceedingly difficult. Yeah, we care about these girls. We hope that sport will adapt and swimming will find a place for Leah to compete. Leah is always welcome to train with us. The men's and women's swimming teams have always trained together with the same head coach. Yeah, you see, this is not bullying. However, sport is competitive by definition and Leah's wins, records, and honors should not come at our expense. The women who have worked their entire lives to earn a spot on the Penn women's swimming team. And I like this. We support Leah's mental health and we ask Penn and the Ivy League, and maybe you too, Senator Murphy, to support theirs as well, huh? What do you think? This is not hypothetical. This is real world stuff. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, Donald Trump, me, we're not picking on kids, all right? We're protecting them. I'm trying to. A little bit on Joe Biden now. Had a bad week. He is as uh, lost as ever before. Did you see this? Oops, no idea where to go. Strange, strange guy. Uh, It's kind of sad to watch. And after he turned like that and tried to shake hands with thin air, I am reminded that this individual had brain surgery twice back in the 1980s. And back then when they did it, it was not what it's like now. It's, It's a bit more intense. Today they can go through the nose and actually perform brain surgery that way. 
No, they had to crack the skull open, and neurosurgeons back in that time had a saying, when the air hits your brain, you're never the same. And Joe was, uh, well, as President Trump said, he really wasn't all that hot in his prime. Then this happened. And then, do you remember moments like this? Do you feel you're able to control, to put in the vernacular of your mouth, that you can think before you talk? Well, I've been in this business for 15 years. Um, and uh, I, uh, um, I let my record of 15 years versus the transgression that you're referring to uh, stand. And you, can make, you all can make that judgment. I feel very capable of uh, using my mouth in sync with my mind. <sighs> it's, it's, it's something really scary about that. I'm sorry. We all see now that he can't do it. He can't keep it together. I don't know how this is going to end. Although I really wish Joe Biden well. I wish his family well. I want the very best for them. You know, it's Easter weekend. It's Good Friday. And a little bit about my own faith journey. Uh, in 2012, someone gave me a Bible, the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. And you know what happened when they gave it to me? I said, when did you become such a church lady? I don't need that. I got this. I, I read this in college. Thank you very much but I never really thought about it deeply. And it sat on the shelf for years and a couple of years went by. And during a time of personal crisis, I started to really read and really read and things started happening. And then the crisis faded and then, but I kept reading and I kept, well, I became closer to God. He became closer to me and that is the way. And I urge you, if you haven't tried this, to try it, nothing more important. And I can honestly say, I love Joe Biden. I don't like him, but I love him. And God has this all worked out. By the way, another thing I like about the Charles Stanley Bible is it has little notes and footnotes and essays and things like that that decode some of the language, which, let's face it, can be tough, but it's glorious and I highly recommend it. Okay, stay with us coming up. Ah, yes, the fake news took a shot at that story in Michigan and misled everybody. It seems like they want riots all over again. Stay with us. just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, it do, do they? they and worse than just not getting it, it seems like they want an all-out race war. I mean, they are pushing for it. They really are. Uh, we had another shooting in Michigan that they are trying to exploit, that they are trying to portray as negatively as possible. Now, it's bad enough when someone gets shot, but to exacerbate the situation by leaving key facts out when they report it. So what happened? A guy was uh, pulled over. He had the wrong plates. He resisted. He ran away. He did all kinds of bad things that you're not supposed to do. I believe the shooting was justified. We'll go through that in a moment. And what happened since? Well, the usual happened, right? Demonstrations. Black Lives Matter shows up. Uh, ben Crump, the attorney, he wants to sue for everything he can get. The family is calling this an execution. I believe they were told to. Again, that financial incentive. So back to what actually happened. A 26-year-old man by the name of Patrick Loyoya was pulled over and refused to cooperate with anything the police officer asked. Started off right away by getting out of the car, 
when he was told to stay in the car. Hey, stay in the car. Stay in the car. Stay in the car. Get in the car. Dude, I'm stopping you. Do you have a license? Do you have a license? For what? I'm stopping you. Do you have a license? What done? Do you have a driver's license? Do you speak English? Yes. Can I see your license? Hey, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? By the way, he's been arrested four times uh, recently for assaulting a pregnant woman. All right. And he's been here for years. I don't know if he's playing dumb or just, but he's not cooperating. It gets worse. No, no, no. Stop, stop. Put your hands in. Stop. 1915, got one running. North, south. Stop! Stop! Okay. Damn. Bad struggle, but you saw how he refused to give a license and walked away, was leaving, was leaving the scene. And the officer said no. I thought the officer was great. You know, look, I'm stopping you, man. Come on, cooperate. Stop. Okay. Stop resisting. Grabbing the guy's stun gun, the police officer's stun gun. I think the next clip is where he gets shot. The officer's stun uh, uh, camera start, stops to work, but there are plenty of other cameras and we see the shooting. Let go, Taser! Drop Taser! Everyone. I'm not a law enforcement officer. I do believe it was a justified shooting. Um, we'll see what they ultimately rule. I do know this though. I've been on television and I've been a reporter and I've been a correspondent and now I've anchored news shows and now I have an opinion show. And I know this, NBC News has been deliberately dishonest to inflame the situation. They didn't show you everything I just did. Listen to their commentary. Listen to what they leave out. Why would they do this? To create another race crisis in America. Police in Grand Rapids, Michigan, are bracing for another night of protests. Newly released video shows a white police officer shooting and killing an unarmed black man after a struggle broke out during a traffic stop. A struggle just broke out, just spontaneously, just 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 happened, just erupted. Like, and a white police officer and an unarmed black man, they're bracing for a night of violence and protests, right? Egging it on. Look at what happens next. The killing of the unarmed black motorist by a white police officer leaves Leoa's family making this plea today. Okay, they want justice, but everybody had to be reminded for the third time in 30 seconds that this was a black man unarmed killed by a white police officer, okay? They really want everybody to react to that on an emotional level. Next.
It was last week when the 26-year-old was pulled over because his license plate didn't match his car. Do you have a license? Leoa, a native of the Congo, appeared confused. Do you speak English? Yes. Appeared confused, like it was just confusion or maybe defiance. How is he confused? He actually understands English. He just said that. Confused, I would say defiant. Next. After a brief exchange, the officer grabs Leoa, who runs. Here, you see what they left out? After a brief exchange, the officer grabbed the sus, just grabbed him for no reason. He was leaving. We just showed you that. He was walking away. It's necessary. They left that out. Why? Because they want it to be worse than it actually is. After the pair wrestle on a lawn, Leoa later appears to grasp for the officer's taser, which was fired twice but didn't hit anyone. Let go of the taser! You see, yes, they acknowledge he grabbed the taser, but it didn't hit anybody. It just didn't hit anybody. That's okay, right? Because of the pressure applied to the body camera, police say the video suddenly stops, but other cameras capture the fatal shot to the head. The thing that just jumps out at you is how unnecessary this execution was of this excessive use of force. The unidentified officer placed on leave while the shooting is under review. The officer placed on leave. That's more than what they did to Michael Byrd. Lieutenant Byrd, the one who shot Ashley Babbitt, just calls it a unnecessary execution, that Ben Crump, and no, no pushback, no context. How does this wrap up, please? In a city where African Americans have struggled to trust the police, tonight Grand Rapids is bracing for more protest, a shooting the police chief calls a tragedy, while Leoa's family calls it an execution. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. They say the community has struggled to trust the police. Well, why do you think that is? Because of nonsense media inflammatory reports like this one, where they deliberately leave facts out to emotional, emotionalize the situation. And the reporter who did this should be ashamed, Miguel Almaguer. And you know what's happening here, by the way. They only have persons of color do these stories from, I believe, a warped ideological agenda designed to damage race relations and damage this country. Uh, So, and what would happen next? Hopefully another round of what, Black Lives Matter protests nationally? I mean, remember how the media just embraced those. They were righteous, so all these causes must be righteous, must be for the good. Oh, a little bit more on the the 26-year-old man who, I wish it had not happened, I wish he had not resisted, I wish a lot of things, but he had been arrested four times. Yeah, that's, I think that's relevant. I do. And let's take a look at his rap sheet. Some uh, serious, not so serious as well. But in 2022, earlier this year, arrested for assaulting a pregnant woman. That's a big deal, folks. That's a big deal. And again, Ashley Babbitt, I think about her. Remember? Do you remember her wrestling with Lieutenant Byrd, stealing his stun gun? Hmm? No. 
No, none of that happened. She wasn't approaching Lieutenant Byrd. She wasn't coming after him. They weren't wrestling on the ground. She's 15 feet away, and this guy shoots her. And everybody's okay with that? I mean, the mainstream media, they all think that that's fine. And Lieutenant Byrd, he can still walk around with a gun, not be placed on leave, not have to give up his gun and badge. In fact, receive a, a gold medal. And how about the crew of the Today Show? I, I'll never forget this. The next day, January 7th, I got up early. I wanted to see, you know, hey, what are they saying about this? What happened? Tell us more. And I knew at this point, Ashley Babbitt died in the building right behind Savannah. <laughs> they don't even mention that it happened. In the aftermath of yesterday's stunning siege here at the U.S. Capitol, Hoda, you know, I used to live here. I used to cover this building, cover the White House. I looked at it this morning. I've never looked at it with tears in my eyes. <laughs> and there is much to cover this morning. We look forward to that. Yeah, I, do, I have to comment. Watching that sunrise, Savannah, and that yep, calm did you make see, me it affected you too, Hoda. We get it. I had to hear about their memories, not what happened in the building behind them. A woman. I know she doesn't have much status these days, a white working class woman who supports President Trump, who served in the military. That's the bottom of the heap, bottom of the heap. And they didn't bring it up later in the show, later in the broadcast, they didn't. There she is, Ashley Babbitt. Did Savannah or Hoda go to Iraq for four months? No, they didn't. Remember this guy, Officer Fanone. Fake cop, uh, no longer a cop, by the way. I guess he's a CNN analyst and now an author. Yeah, he got a book deal. Did you see this one coming? Of course you did. Pretty big book deal, by the way. Uh, all kinds of opportunities are coming for him and his cronies. You remember that ridiculous uh, hearing when they stood up there and yelled about the president, yelled about Republican members of Congress? It was hideous. There was an attack carried out on January 6th, and a hitman sent them. Is a pathetic excuse for his behavior for something that he himself helped to create. This monstrosity. There are many, uh, many known um, organizations with ties to white uh, supremacy who had a presence there. People who associate with Donald Trump are uh, find more likely to subscribe to that kind of belief system. I feel like I went to hell and back to protect them and the people in this room. But too many are now telling me that hell doesn't exist or that hell actually wasn't that bad. Did you hear the other cops say Trump supporters are white supremacists? And this guy, huh? People in this room. I mean, Where's that accent from? He's from 10 minutes from the White House. He's from Alexandria, Virginia. They found the four cops, the four cops in America who don't like Trump. And this guy, Fanon, ooh, the hysterics, the drama. The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. <laughs> and so are you, absolutely. And you're terrible on CNN. Oh, I've seen him. He's now an analyst on CNN. 
and he has no insight into anything other than his tale of woe and what happened to me on that day. And let's talk about his book here. Let's see, what are we gonna learn about? Uh, Michael Fanon, tell the story of the fateful day. This is gonna be interesting, and I think it's a, I think it was a marketing move, but Fanon, according to the publisher's notes, was a, his closest friend was an informant, a black, transgender, HIV positive woman who has helped him mature and rethink his methods as a police officer. Isn't that nice? He's determined that no one forgets what happened on, on January 6th. Well, let's talk a little bit about what happened on January 6th, minimized or ignored. He was assisted by Trump supporters. You don't go lone wolf into a big crowd like that. You don't. You go with your partner. You go with backup. Maybe you go when you're directed to. But he actually says, it says it right here. He went, he, he was self-directed self-directed. He did it on his own. And that's the way this guy has always rolled. You know, 20 years ago, he actually was a Capitol Hill police officer. He joined the Metro police, the city police, but at first he was a Capitol Hill police officer and it didn't work out. He told Time Magazine uh, last summer uh, about his adventures and I guess he liked the action more than, let's see, it says Fanon and his buddy, Ramey Kyle, would drive down to the projects, remember he works on Capitol Hill, on their lunch break and chase drug dealers to management's chagrin. We were 21 and 22 year old adrenaline junkies. We wanted to run and gun. Fanon recalls, well, I guess little has changed, all right? Showing up on his own, self-directed to the Capitol when he should have been listening to his radio and going where he was told. So remember, he's a hero, just ask him. Happened afterwards is much less vivid. I had been beaten unconscious and remained so for more than four minutes. I know that Jimmy helped to evacuate me from the building and drove me to MedStar Washington Hospital Center despite suffering significant injuries himself. At the hospital, doctors told me that I had suffered a heart attack and I was later diagnosed with a concussion, a traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, I think he might've had a few issues before January 6th. Um, that sounded like a lot of injuries he just summarized, including a heart attack. So why was he on duty nine days later looking totally fit and ready for TV interviews? Oh yes, he was. He talked to everybody pushing political talking points, totally healthy. And that goes for his uh, friend Hodges, by the way, who said that people who like Trump uh, like white supremacy. Yeah, that guy. Listen to him talk about everything he went through that day. The mob of terrorists were coordinating their efforts now, shouting heave, ho, as they synchronized, pushing their weight forward, crushing me further against the metal door frame. The man in front of me grabbed my baton that I still held in my hands, and in my current state, I was unable to retain my weapon. He bashed me in the head and face with it, rupturing my lip and adding additional injury to my skull. At this point, I knew I couldn't sustain much more damage and remain upright. Wow, his, 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 his skull was being crushed. Can we see him nine days after this uh, hellacious attack? This is him. <laughs> there he is. Uh, does he look like he went through any of those things? He actually looks totally normal, doesn't he? Fanon, by the way, took the next year off. Here he is uh, lounging in a pool, collecting a paycheck. Anyway, I'll probably look 
through the book. I'll get it. I'll look in the fiction section, okay, Mike? We'll be right back. The Commanders, the Commanders, remember, they used to be the Redskins, and then they were Brand X, the Washington Football Club. Now they're the Commanders. The team is owned by Dan Snyder. Uh, I know people who know him. I've never met him before. I hear he's a good guy, but he's been under fire. Allegations of financial misconduct on the team, uh, some issues with the treatment of employees, It has become a federal case, literally, possibly in part because, well, Washington, D.C., that's where the football team is. And Anita Dunn has a hand in all of this, perhaps. Anita Dunn on the left there, longtime Democrat political heavyweight. There she is with David Axelrod. What is her role in this matter? I'd like to bring in Joe Takapina. A little bit about uh, the situation that your client, Mr. Snyder, is in. It's it's it's. Quite frankly, perplexing, mind-boggling. The the House Oversight and Reform Committee irresponsibly sends a letter to the FTC, Greg, um, and in that letter they falsely allege financial issues at the team based solely on untested testimony, um, and a letter from a disgruntled former employee, this guy Jason Friedman. Um, and and you know the funny part is, if this were really the House Committee trying to do an investigation, a fair impartial, nonpartisan investigation, which it's clearly not because there's a massive divide in this House committee. <laughs> the Dem- Democrats sit on one side and they're running this thing and, and the Republicans are outraged that, in fact, where Congress is spending its time on something so outside of its its, its jurisdiction, so outside of its importance. Um, you know, But the House committee, shockingly, Greg, never even asked the team for a comment on the response or response to the allegations, not for a document, not for one thing that would contradict or confirm these allegations. They just irresponsibly and recklessly sent the letter to the FTC, which is completely false. And of course, this is all in an election year where there are political campaign tactics at play. Uh, it does seem totally kind of outside their uh, their zone uh, to be dwelling on matters like this. Now, um, the workplace situation, uh, allegations of, you know, a toxic work environment. Some, I believe, involve other individuals uh, at the organization, not necessarily your client, but they had a hearing about this and um, folks came forward. Let's take a listen. I was asked by my boss to attend a networking event and, oh, to dress cute. And the emails about special gifts he expected from me every day. I was forced into uncomfortable conversations about my body and about my appearance. What started as friendly and professional conversations quickly turned into him texting inappropriate messages that made me feel extremely uncomfortable. Okay, but uh, they're not exactly talking about a Supreme Court nominee. Uh, This individual they're talking about, the individuals, they don't work on Capitol Hill. They're associated with a football team, and that's happening on our time. Right. A private company. You Look, one of the Republican senators in, in examining one of these witnesses said, so let me get this right. After a decade of this event happening to you, 
you didn't go to the EEOC. Have you ever heard of the EEOC? He said, did you ever go to the EEOC? No, you came right to Congress. That was your venue a decade later. And that's the funny part of all this. All these um, witnesses have, have either glowing letters that were sent to the organization when they left the organization, talking about what a great life experience it was for them, thanking Mrs. Snyder personally. And of course, these women are talking about their direct employees, not Mr. Snyder. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is this was all, Greg, investigated by the NFL for a year, comprehensively investigated. They hired outside counsel, um, and, and, and it was fine. The team was fine for a hostile work environment. Um, and it, it, it was complete, and by the way, it was completely um, done in a time where there was a different management that's all been changed by the Snyders, by Dan and Tanya. Um, so this, what they're doing now is, you know, we just, no one seems to understand why they're doing it. Of course, we understand why. There's a political angle to it. Anita Dunn is involved. And, and it's a democratic campaign tactic. There's nothing more to it because this has all been investigated. It's been resolved. The league has done it. And why Congress is holding a, a roundtable, why the House committee is, 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 is running amok with an investigation that's already been investigated, shocks anyone's mm. conscience. It really does. Well, as, I, as we wrap up, and I want to take a quick look at Dan Snyder, um, you know, when you're, when you're powerful and when you got something people want, uh, you got a big target on your back. So listen, uh, Joe Tacopina, we wish you well. We wish your client well. We wish justice to be done for everybody. But uh, I, I think we know what's going on here. Joe, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. All right. We'll be right back with uh, Fred Fleiss. Genius. Genius on Ukraine and beyond. Be right back. Hey, Ukraine more than holding its own in this fight. But have you noticed it's, is it leaving the headlines a little bit? Are Americans over this at this point? Look, it's still hugely, hugely important for more on what's going on and the domestic political component that we have to talk about. Fred Flight, senior fellow at the America First Policy Institute, veteran of the Trump administration. Fred, welcome back. Uh, Fred, overall, give us a snapshot. What is the latest? Uh, can Ukraine still win? Is that even a, an appropriate question anymore? Greg, it's good to be here. We're, we're just seeing a remarkable development here. Just a few weeks ago, Zelensky was talking about maybe a peace agreement in which they would resolve territorial issues later. Now he doesn't want to talk about territorial issues. Russia could conceivably be interested in a cessation of hostilities and a ceasefire sometime. I don't know that they would be. But if they asked for that, it, unbelievably, the Ukrainians would probably say no. They would want to keep fighting to take back territory. No one could have conceived of this a few weeks ago. And the fact that they sank uh, Russia's flagship in the Black Sea, which apparently has made Putin so angry he's thinking of intensifying his, uh, the fighting. I think we're at a dangerous stage now where I think Putin may really, really be cornered. Uh, that's why people were saying that, you know, well, maybe he would consider using chemical weapons. I don't think he would try to use tactical nukes, but I think if he was really, really cornered, Putin might try something desperate. So there's a fellow named Scott Shapiro, who I understand had uh, some position uh, deep within the Trump administration. He wrote in the Wall Street Journal, uh, some in the America First movement 
mistake Putin for a strong nationalist leader like Donald Trump. And uh, second uh, graph here, many leading America firsters are parroting the Kremlin's narrative, suggests the movement has taken a dangerous turn. Uh, and one more, some America firsters sound like, uh, have made comments that sound like Russia propaganda because they mistake him for a Russian Donald Trump, a strong nationalist leader who fights woke ideas. I have my own thoughts on this. I understand you do as well. I don't know who Jeff Shapiro is. I've never heard of him. He is a fool. I represent the America First movement. I'm with General Keith Kellogg on television every day talking about how America First is staying with Ukraine. They're absolutely against Putin. We don't see any similarity between Putin and Trump. We don't admire Putin. You know, there may be some people who run around casually using the term America First. The Shapiro guy didn't bother to talk to us. He didn't mention my organization. We're the ones who are speaking out on behalf of the America First movement, which wants a strong America, which wants to stand with our allies, but also wants to keep our country out of unnecessary wars. We want to help Ukraine, but we want to keep American troops the hell out of Ukraine. Well, I want everything you just uh, summarized. Uh, I have from time to time pointed out like, you know, look, I I live in America. I, I, I want Ukraine to win. I know Zelensky, not at all. Uh, I have heard before that, you know, Ukraine had issues of corruption. Heck, we all heard about them during the phony impeachment. Isn't it okay from time to time to make observations that, you know, Ukraine is not perfect? I, I, I feel like Shapiro has taken anybody who has remotely raised the scintilla of, well, you know, what, what's really happening, what's going on here, that somehow that's, uh, you're, you're, you're spewing Vladimir Putin talking points. Shapiro is a weasel who doesn't know what, he, what he's talking about, who wants again on MSNBC to take sheep shots against Republicans. We've seen this before. Look at Nicole Wallace. There's lots of these people. They claim they were with President Trump. They supported Trump, but they want to get on CNN or MSNBC. This is absolute nonsense. Kellogg and I have spoken out very definitively about all the all the awful things Putin said about Ukraine, that they're Nazis, that they were committing war crimes against Russians. This is absolute rubbish. We've spoken out against it. And Shapiro had no business saying things like this without speaking to the people who represent the America First movement. Well, uh I'm glad you're here. We're on the same side. This guy Shapiro, uh, I like it. He's a weasel. I, I, we don't we don't want anything to do with him. Don't Thank have him on your show. Don't don't. All right, consider it done, Fred. Um, seriously, I saw his piece too. Very weak, very weak, and not very specific either. Fred Flight, senior fellow at the America First Policy Institute. We appreciate it, sir, so much, and we'll be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. Thank you very much. Uh, it's Easter, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's all very important, very important. Uh, and Passover. Passover, uh, we know, is being celebrated as well. We wish peace and love to all. Thank you very, very much. And uh, to be continued, all right? Stinchfield is next. Have a great weekend.